0: Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious.
1: Christian Curious. This is your host, Dr. Haley. You know, the tale of the Christian church in America is really a tale of two churches. Churches that are located in the Bible Belt and the surrounding culture, which many describe as cultural Christianity, and those churches that are outside the Bible Belt. There are lots of ways to define the Bible Belt a few of the things that I've pulled up on the internet um, just recently Google defines the Bible Belt as those areas of southern and midwestern U.S. and western Canada where Protestant fundamentalism is widely practiced. Wik- Wikipedia calls it a term chiefly associated with an informal region in the southern United States in which socially conservative evangelical Protestantism plays a strong role in society and politics, and the church attendance across denominations is generally higher than the nation's average. Broadly, we can consider that, you know, the Christian culture is, cultural Christianity is an area characterized by ardent religious fundamentalism, and that's according to Merriam-Webster's. So on today's show, I have a couple of women ladies in here to help unpack exactly what cultural Christianity is and how it differs from Christianity in other regions of the United States. Are we facing in the United States a decline of Christianity or a decline in cultural Christianity? With me today is co-host Lauren Warden Lauren is a Knoxville, Tennessee native. She is currently getting her master's in New Testament at Denver Seminary. She works with the Young Adult Initiative at Denver Seminary, researching young adults and the church. She has a passion for studying and teaching scripture and encouraging students and young adults to a deeper faith. And she loves spending time with her husband, Jason, and her dog, Kootenai. That's right, Lauren, right? Kootenai. Kootenai. Okay, I'm not from the Northwest. Tell us where that name comes from.
2: Yeah, it's the name of the river that runs through my husband's hometown in Libby, Montana.
1: Okay, all right. So I'm looking at it and I say Kootenai. Kootenai. So it's Kootenai. Kootenai. yes. Okay, very cool name for a dog. Our guest today is Hannah Greaser. Hannah is a writer and editor from Augusta, Georgia. She graduated from the University of Georgia in 2019 with a bachelor's in journalism and English. And currently serves with the Kaleo Project while working for several lifestyle publication magazines. Her passion is hearing and telling stories that document people coming into the fullness of who they're made to be. Hannah recently married her husband Mason just this July and they live in Castle Rock with their puppy Gabe. We are all dog lovers here. I have two dogs, a little um, Yorkie named Knox and a Carolina dog named Izzy that we rescued from Apache territory in New Mexico. Um, So both of you ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, we're all from regions that are typically associated with what is called cultural Christianity. You know, you, Lauren from Tennessee, um, Hannah from Georgia, and myself from Texas, and specifically Eastern Texas, which kind of bleeds into the Southern United States. And so I'm so glad that y'all are here with me to, to talk about cultural Christianity, how it's impacted our faith and how we see the differences as we've kind of come out of, I don't want to say breaking free of, you know, the Bible belt, but in a sense that we have, we don't live inside the Bible belt anymore and we definitely see the differences. So Lauren, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your story growing up in the Bible Belt. You know, what were some of the benefits of growing up there?
2: Yeah, you know, um, so I'm from Knoxville. Um, my parents are very faithful people. I'm really grateful for their genuine display of faith. Um, I think that impacted me most. Um, I had a, a generally positive experience in the Bible Belt, I would say. Um, I, th- some of the benefits, I, there's in me it fostered a love of community. Um, Mm -hmm. I had an amazing small group at my church in the Southern Baptist convention, which was where I was the majority of my childhood. Me too. Um, fun. (laughs) (laughs) I loved the community there. My small group was wonderful. Um, it instilled in me the value of having like-minded people around to encourage and uplift us when we're down. Um, I was encouraged in the spiritual disciplines, although that was mostly limited to reading scripture and prayer. Um, and it really fostered in me this love for scripture and truth that I still have today. Um, so those are some of the benefits of the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. It's not all bad, um, but there are definitely some negatives I experienced. Um, you know, with the, the majority of people in your community being nominally Christian, um, the focus of the mission of the church kind of shifts. So um, there's this kind of unspoken understanding of maybe not everyone around us is lost. So our main goal here is to have the biggest youth group. It's kind of the unspoken experience in my youth group. And there's kind of this us versus them mentality um, that forms in the church. What Uh, do you mean
1: us versus them? Like competition between
2: churches? Between churches. And there's even this fear of the lost because there's, since everyone, since most people are generally nominally Christian, they would say that they're a Christian, whether or not they you know, live the lifestyle or pursue Christ genuinely, um, there's kind of this fear of the lost. Um, what are they like? And you know, when I moved to Colorado, so many people said, oh, it's so spiritually dark out there. <laughs> I was like, okay, very encouraging, thank you. Right? Um, but having moved here, you know, it's not spiritually dark. They're wonderful, faithful Christians doing mm-hmm. beautiful work um, in the lost communities of Denver. So yeah, there's, that's what I mean by us versus them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Hannah, what about you? You grew up in Georgia, a different state, but also very much in the Bible Belt.
3: Right. I think I resonate a lot with um, some of Lauren's experiences for sure. Um, I grew up in the church, which I think a lot of Georgians, or at least a lot of people in my community um, would say that, you know, you grow up in the church um, and went to a really big white church that they called Fort God. Um, on the streets, (laughs) because it was just so big. Um, And my experience there, it um, was definitely a complicated one. I would say I was grateful for um, kind of having a place to grow my faith. That's where I was introduced to the idea of who Jesus was, who God was. Um, But that being the place where I Um, kind of fell in love with God, it was also the place where I started to kind of grow resentment for things in the church that maybe didn't look like who I thought Jesus should be or would be. Right. Um, And so I think it was definitely interesting, um, you know, the benefits of the Bible Belt being that there's a lot of resources and opportunities to be exposed to the gospel and to Christianity. Um, And that church did do a lot of wonderful things for me. But then I think some of the negatives I experienced were just not really seeing what a personal relationship with Jesus looked like, what that intimacy Mm -hmm. looked like until later on in life. Um, It was more of, you know, you did go to church to have community or because it was what you
1: did. And well, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, then everybody would talk about you for the rest of the week.
3: Or you would get passive-aggressive text messages like, <laughs> yeah. we missed you on Sunday, and maybe they did. Or but. bless your heart, <laughs> what yeah.
1: happened to you on Sunday? We missed you.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> so it was interesting, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, growing up in Texas, I did grow up in the Southern Baptist Church, and um, I actually resonate with a lot of what you said, Hannah, as far as my experience there, um, witnessing how some of the leaders behaved, witnessing some how some people that claim to be Christians behaved actually pushed me towards more atheism and agnosticism and definitely didn't introduce me into a personal relationship with God. and. I think that that nominal Christianity, what we say by, what we mean by nominal is probably people who say that they're Christian, but don't actually behave as Christian and actually don't know Jesus, you know, as Lord and savior. And so those, you know, definitely, those are some of the negative aspects of cultural Christianity. And I think sometimes whenever people have stereotypes of Christianity, they think of the cultural christians wouldn't you agree with that
2: absolutely for sure
1: so if we're talking about cultural christianity how would you ladies define it because i think that some people that grow up outside of cultural christianity may not understand it how would you describe it
2: yeah. Um, I think it's mostly the culture that we think of when we hear Bible bell, but really it can be in any part of the country. Um, generally the communities are full of nominal Christians. Everyone would generally say that they're a Christian. Um, but the goal of these, of typical churches um, that are culturally Christian, um, is preservation of Christian culture, um, instead of pursuit, uh, pursuit of the lost.
1: Right. So more there, it's a defensive stance in a right. way.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Hannah?
3: Yes, I would echo that for sure. I think, um, you know, tracing Christianity back to its roots, huh, like the very beginning, it was a very countercultural approach. You know, mm-hmm. everybody who claimed to be a Christian was risking everything, risking way more than their reputation. You know, they probably would have died. And then, somewhere along the line, you know, there's been shifts depending on where you are, but I think where we are in the United States today is um, what proclaims to be a Christian nation, whether it abides by those ideals or not. There's some degree of cultural Christianity and everything where, you know, you might risk your reputation being a Christian in some areas, but in cultural Christian areas, there's really not um, too much at risk for the gospel, which I think has some just spiritually numbing components, or it's just more of a place of comfort rather than I don't think there's a lot of um, training on what it means to actually live your life for the gospel. Um, But
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I think that sometimes perhaps the place of comfort is where um, whenever we find ourselves comfortable is whenever we probably need to start seeking the Lord and finding out where we need to grow and how we need to grow and how we need to challenge ourselves. And so all of us have a unique perspective because we came out of, you know, the Bible Belt region to different areas. The first place I moved um, when I moved outside of Texas was Los Angeles. And uh, I remember the first time going to church and, you know, Growing up, you go to Baptist church, you wear your, you know, I was taught, you wear your best, your Sunday best for the Lord. And when, and so that's what I was used to. And so in California, I dressed, I put a dress on, I put, uh, you know, stockings on, I put high heels on. Then we pull into the parking lot and this guy pulls up next to us on a motorcycle without a shirt on and he's starting to walk into the church with no shirt on. And as he's walking into the church with his flip-flops on and his raggedy jean shorts, and he pulls his shirt on as he goes into the church, and I feel so overdressed when I go in, and it's completely different. And as I saw him go into that church, the immediate thought that came into my head was, when people go to church here, they mean it, you know? they're not forced to go to church because of society expectation. They they really mean it. If you go to church in Los Angeles, you mean it. Mm. What about you? What were some things that surprised you, Lauren, when you came out of the Bible Belt and you started seeing different ways of Christian Christianity in places that aren't necessarily embedded in a cultural Christian context?
2: Yeah, the first thing <clears throat> I remember when... We were actually interviewing here. My, my husband was interviewing for the church job he got. Um, it was in February of last year. And the youth pastor at the time was talking about how they partner with a church down the street for youth groups mm-hmm. and events um, and camp. And I I actually said, you partner with another
1: church? Right.
2: I could not believe it because my whole life, my church that I went to growing up, was in this church war with a church right down the street. Mm-hmm. And partnering with them was the last thing I thought possible. Um, but you know, and that still continues to surprise me. Um, one of my churches for the CLEO project prays for other churches. Um, a couple of my young adult groups went on a tubing trip last month
1: together. That's so amazing. Yeah,
2: the cooperation and the family built across church lines, if you will, is still really surprising, really beautiful to me.
1: Yeah, you know, and you know, none of this is to knock what happens in the Bible Belt, but, um, but there is a sense of a of unity that that Jesus prayed for. You know, if you look at that prayer that Jesus prayed, right before he went to the cross, he's you know he goes, "I pray that they will be one. I pray that they will be one. I pray that they will be one. I pray that they, w-, you know." And that that theme of unity is so important. And the reason why he says he goes, "If you see that." people see that unity, they'll know that you sent me. And so that's what one of the amazing things is about how, you know, about and the beautiful thing about churches partnering together is that they're showing the unity of the larger body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Hannah, I know that you've been surprised by some things coming out of Georgia.
3: Right. Um, So at first I, I was surprised by the number of Christians that were in Colorado because I was also kind of told that, outside of the South, everybody's going to be mean to you and nobody's going to know who Jesus is. And that's not true. Um, but I think... I was told
1: the same thing about going to Los Angeles. Right. Everyone's going to be mean to you. And they're yeah. not. No. They're
3: very nice people. Um, but I think the, the potency of the Christianity I've experienced here has struck me in a way that didn't necessarily in the Bible Belt because I think the people who are... For the most part, that I've met um, that the Lord's brought into my life who are pursuing Jesus, they that's what it is. They're pursuing Jesus. (laughs) Um, It's not necessarily just to be called a Christian because it isn't quite as trendy here, you know, there's pockets where it is. But um, I think just the degree that I've seen people actually asking God, What do you want to do with my life? and um, allowing Him to lead it is. It's been refreshing. I think I've seen more testimonies of that here than I did growing up.
1: And why do you think is that that's the case?
3: Well, thinking even about when I went out to college for the first time at the University of Georgia, there was um, I went back and looked. There's 26 student ministries on campus, and. I wondered why. (laughs) At the University of Boulder on their website, there's three listed Mm -hmm. in Colorado. Um, And I remember my first week of college just trying to find community and hanging out with people and going to a different Christian event every night. Then at the end of that week, I just kind of realized I'm doing this to find friends, not necessarily to connect with God in any sort of way. And I think there might be a degree of the Christian faith that we're commu- whereas community is not a bad thing at all. It's something we should definitely try to have. Um, I think just the ordering of those priorities looks a little different for, um, people who aren't in cultural Christianity. It's literally just an ordering of priorities like Jesus. And then with that, you get community rather mm-hmm. than the inverted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But yeah, those are some really good insights. Um, what do you think that churches you know, outside the Bible Belt, churches maybe here in Colorado, churches in the Northeast and the Northwest, um, and even in you know, the West in general, California, what do you think that churches can learn from those churches that are in the Bible Belt? What are some of the good qualities that you think that churches could, could utilize? here in Colorado?
2: Um, I think definitely the value of community is one of them because um, my church in the Bible Belt definitely valued that. And then just the treasuring of scripture and of truth, um, the fact that truth can be delivered with love, um, I think is a defining characteristic of churches in the Bible Belt about Bible Belt as well. Um, they do value tradition and there's a place for tradition in Christianity for sure
1: you know two things on that you know i i remember potlucks (laughs) yes on sundays at church and everyone would bring a dish and you would have these long buffet tables of all kinds of wonderful fattening Mm -hmm. (laughs) southern foods that were just amazing and everyone after uh sunday sermon would sit around and they'd have those potluck dinners and you really got a sense of community out of that, for sure. Yeah. And then the tradition, if you look at some of the the research that's coming out on Gen Z, both of you are 23, you are Gen Zs. Um, I'm the old lady in the room, the Gen X. <laughs> and um, so if you look at what Gen Zs are, some of Gen Zs want, they want that connection with liturgy, tradition, something to connect them with um, something larger than just themselves, larger than just even that individual church. So and you see that desire even in the popularity of CrossFit, for example. Mm, So if you go to a CrossFit box, it's not a CrossFit gym, it's CrossFit CrossFit box. You go in and they have a board up of their WOD and that's the workout of the day. And that's their liturgy. You know, gyms or boxes, excuse me, forgive me, CrossFit-ers, these CrossFit boxes across the country will follow the same wad. And so it's a liturgy. You're in community and you're doing things to honor fallen soldiers and things like that. But there is a definite desire for tradition among the younger generations coming up in the church right now. So those are really important things that... Uh, churches outside the Bible Belt can learn. Hannah, what are your thoughts?
3: Right. I was thinking a lot of those same things. And what you just said kind of reminded me of how, Haley, you talk a lot about the transiency of not only like the church, but church leaders nowadays. And I really, to it it bothered me when I was young, how I felt like everybody just kind of got stuck, (laughs) like they were just staying in their same churches, their same communities, and not looking for more, but I do think there is a beauty to the kind of sustainability that you can have when you um, do stay in one place and kind of value community, even over your own ambitions, which I think when you're young, they kind of can become overwhelming in a sense, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a slowness of pace and a steadfastness that I'm still working to respect, but I think it is a good thing.
1: Mm. Yeah, the slowness is something that I've thought a lot about, and I don't know if it's coming out of the South and coming in to a different culture that the pace of life changes or if it's just that I'm homesick for a world that doesn't exist anymore. As far as growing up, there were no cell phones. There were no, uh, you know, technology you know internet I mean yes that's how old I am there was no internet when I was a teenager Um, it was not very popular until I was like a senior in high school Um, and it was just so quiet and so slow and that slowness of pace enabled you to connect with God in ways that um, rapidity of life prevents us we're moving so fast we, we don't have time to watch for God. So I think those are really important things that churches outside the Bible Belt can can take away. Um, so what about the reverse? What can churches in the Bible Belt learn from the churches outside of the Bible Belt?
2: Uh, um, this probably isn't surprising, just cooperating with one another and working mm-hmm. together towards a common goal. Um, We're on the
1: same team.
2: Yeah, turns out we have the same God and we can work together. Right. Um, Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, and then also just involvement in the community mm-hmm. um, in pursuit of the lost. Churches out here do a really beautiful
1: job of that.
2: And I think churches in the Bible Belt could take notes.
1: I think maybe it's because in the Bible Belt, a lot of times we assume that people are Christian. Right. We make that assumption and so we don't feel like we need to reach out to the lost mm-hmm. as quite as much. We, we feel like we need to go outside, you know, go to different countries. In order to do mission work, because everybody here is Christian, so we don't need that intensive outreach in our immediate context.
3: Mm, That's great. I never thought about that Mm -hmm. before. Like maybe that is the reason there's so many mission trips in different countries. Because at least there was in Georgia. I don't. I'm not really even sure about outside of the Bible Belt, but just kind of that blindness too. There's people who actually don't know Jesus around us.
2: Yeah, interesting in our own neighborhoods. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Hannah, what are some of your other thoughts? What can churches inside the Bible Belt learn from churches that are not there, not, not inside the Bible Belt, not in the southern U.S.?
3: I don't even, I don't know if it, my answer to the question is as much regionally as it is like cultural Christianity versus what the inverse is, non-cultural Christianity. But um, I think just being open to breaking the mold of what you've done in the past, not just for the sake of breaking the mold, but just having an open heart to what the Lord might want to do versus what structures have been set up in the past and really just laying that on the table. Because I think at least in the Bible Belt a lot of times because there is such a high value on community and relationship um, that can kind of cloud the judgment of or just make you people please more than actually see what the Lord might be wanting to do. And so, yeah, even in a time like now (laughs) where everything is crazy and churches are trying to reinvent, I think just asking what does God want to do versus what people might want or what people might be comfortable with is something that's super important um, and super challenging. Yeah,
1: yeah. seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking the Holy Spirit in the work of the Lord and understanding where where we are, where we might be headed, you know, taking the taking the taking note of where the winds are blowing and how can we as Christians, whether we live in in the quote unquote Bible Belt or whether we live outside of it. Um, The Bible calls us to be unified and to support one another. And I think that no matter what, we can all learn from one another and there are definitely different approaches to Christianity just within the United States because of the nature and the history of our, our country. And there are things that we can learn from one another and wherever we are and whoever we are, we need to, to be sure that we support one another. Lauren and Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank
2: you. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much.
1: This is Dr. Haley with Christian Curious. You can reach out to me anytime at drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at
0: christiancurious.org. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 K-L-T-T.